You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Please take this to heart. God always has the last word. God always has the last word. Listen, man can assemble their councils, make all kinds of great plans, seeking to exclude God from those plans. But listen, God will assemble his own council, and the decree of his will will always prevail. Pastor Mike reminds us today that while the builders of the Tower of Babel wanted to make a great name for themselves, instead the term Babel has become synonymous with nonsense. They intended to elevate themselves above God, but God reminded them who was really in control. He had the last word. To this day, people still forget this and choose to worship created things rather than the Creator. But ultimately, there will be a day when all that matters is how we responded to Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 11 as he continues his message, The Tower of Babel. God, I guess, thought otherwise, and he actually brought me out to the West Coast, out to California, to to find Christ. And it was there where he moved all kinds of different Christian people across my path, what I would refer to as these divine setups. Because back here on the East Coast, the things that I was involved in, I would have never found Christ. All of the crazy things and pursuits that I was engaged and involved in. So anyway, this is where... There's this innate desire within us. And I knew that there was a God, but I I just, I I never felt as if I could connect with him, that I could actually know him. And I was raised in a certain denomination and religion, but still there was this void within my life. And so the pursuit, and again, like I mentioned before, I, I traveled a bunch of different corridors and down a bunch of different roads, but I only came up empty time and time again. But the catalyst behind that was this innate desire that God had placed within me. It's the same innate desire that God has placed within you. There's always going to be a hole. There's always going to be something missing, which will never be filled until you come into a meaningful relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. There'll always be something missing in your life. You can be sure of that. You'll never feel complete. You'll never feel satisfied, you know? It's only until you come to that meaningful relationship with God through the person 
of Jesus Christ. So anyway, this tower was to satisfy, it was to be erected to satisfy an innate need to worship. And it was to be dedicated not to God, the Father, the Creator, but rather dedicated to heaven and its angelic host. And let us take note of the fact, and you probably are aware of this, that the Bible traces all false religions back to Babylon. You see, the essential identity of the various gods and goddesses of Rome, Greece, India, Egypt, and other nations with the original pantheon of the Babylonians is well established. All of their buildings, all of their relics, all of which are nothing more than substitutes and counterfeits for the real thing. Now, Nimrod himself, I don't know if you knew this or not, was later deified as the chief god of Babylon. In fact, he was known as Marduk of Babylon, and that's the way that they would refer to him. He actually sought to deify himself, or the people did at least. And so, should we be surprised by any of this? Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, in chapter 1 and verse 23, after knowing God, you know, after God revealing himself to us, and our knowing him, when we reject him, as Nimrod and the people at this particular time sought to eliminate God from their understanding, this is the sum total and result of that. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And this is always the case. The citizens of Babylon have rejected the knowledge of the true and the living God, and therefore we should expect the creation of a false religion as a part of their dubious cultural achievements. Revelation chapter 17 and verse 5, and this is all being played out during the seven years of tribulation, but this will be a counterfeit substitution, some kind of a church organization. It'll be a worldwide church, a one-world religion that will exist during the seven years of tribulation, just prior to Christ coming back a second time. And it's referred to as Babylon the harlot. You're familiar with that, right? Revelation chapter 17. And in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 5, and on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. The Bible tells us that all men and women have drunken of her wine, have entered into fornication with her. That is spiritual fornication. They've been seduced by this woman, this one world religion that will exist during the seven years of tribulation, during the latter time. Listen, folks, we're moving in that direction even now. And it'll have an intoxicating effect upon the masses of people, you see. And a little later on, we'll, someone who we are also introduced to during the seven years of tribulation will come forward. And it'll control this one world church. And it'll be none other than the Antichrist. Remember the image will be set up in the rebuilt temple in that day. And that inanimate object will be able to, to speak. And all men and women will bow down and worship it and... It's going to be a crazy time. But again, it's interesting that it is referred to as the mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, prostitution. Men and women enter into, if you will, spiritual prostitution 
with this organization, this one world church that will exist during the seven years of tribulation. And you can be sure, folks, the devil was behind this effort that we're reading about here in the book of Genesis, as well as what will be taking place in the last days that we've just referenced here in Revelation chapter 17. The formation of a non-biblical religion. You see, if you think about it, back then, under Nimrod, this was in an attempt to direct the worship of the human race to the devil and those former angels who rebelled against God and now had become demons. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that a third part of all of God's created angelic beings threw their lot in with Lucifer, with Satan, when he rebelled against God. And now they are the demons of the devil. Now, Henry Morris, Dr. Henry Morris, in his commentary, said something significant that I wanted to pass along to you as it relates to Babylon and the beginnings of all of these false religions. This is where it all began. He says, and I quote, this project, referring back to the Tower of Babel, this project was originally presented to the people in the guise of true spirituality. The tower in its lofty grandeur would symbolize the might and majesty of the true God of heaven. A great temple at its apex would provide a center and an altar where men could offer their sacrifices and worship God. The signs of the zodiac, and by the way, the signs of the zodiac, that's where it can be traced right back to also. It all began. It had its origins in Babylon. And so the signs of the zodiac would be emblazoned on the ornate ceilings and walls of the temple, signifying the great story of creation and redemption, as told by the antediluvian patriarchs. That word is a reference to those that were a part of the race before the flood, that is the flood of Noah, the patriarchs. But God was not in this worship. Rather, Satan was, he goes on to declare. Thus, the forms of religion became increasingly debased, and the worship of the devil and his hosts became more noticeable. From such beginnings soon emerged the entire complex of human religion, an evolutionary pantheism promulgated via a system of astrology and idolatrous polytheism, empowered by occultic spiritism and demonism. And so, folks, all of this can be traced right back, and it had its origins back there in Babylon. Okay, so that's a, a huge dilemma, right? And what is God going to do about this? How is he going to put this down, right? Well, because also taking into consideration, it wasn't time for Christ to come yet. We're still back in the Old Testament, right? Was he going to send another flood and destroy the earth a second time and begin all over? Well, he, remember, he already made the covenant, and the sign of the covenant was the what? Right, the rainbow in the sky, right? So would he send another flood, destroy the earth a second time? No. Rather, notice here in verses 7 and 8 of chapter 11, 
He performs a miracle in the minds and vocal cords of the builders. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. You see, God stepped in, as he always does, you know, during a crucial time. Like, for example, during the days of Noah, during the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, in these last days, God says, enough is enough. The stench of the people's sin comes up before God, and he remembers them, and he steps in, and he intervenes in the affairs of man. That's the business that he's in. And folks, guess what? He's going to do that again, and I think it's going to be soon. When you consider all of the crazy things that are going on in our present world today, I mean, you would think that God, you know, even as he did in the past, knowing who he is, what he's all about, is going to step in again, right? In the affairs of, of man. And so he made it impossible for them to work together. Now, I also want to draw your attention to something that I think is noteworthy here. Notice it says here, let us go down, let us, notice plural, let us go down to step in, the plurality of God. Who's he speaking to here? Is he speaking to the Son? Is he speaking to the Holy Spirit? Let us, the plurality of God. The God in three persons, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you see, this is the point. And if you don't take away anything else from this message, what we're dealing with, all of the subjects, all of the lessons, you know, please take this to heart. God always has the last word. God always has the last word. Listen, man can assemble their councils, make all kinds of great plans seeking to exclude God from those plans. But listen, God will assemble his own counsel, and the decree of his will will always prevail. Now, let's bring this down to personal terms. We're not interested in this account as some history lesson, right? We want to take something from this text of Scripture personally, apply it in our own lives, that will help us in our walk and our relationship with him that'll keep us a little bit closer to him, that'll help us to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. So how does all of this relate to us? Well, listen, if you try to go your own way, excluding God, you can be sure that you'll end up just as frustrated, just as impotent, just as shut down, as was Nimrod, and all his cohorts. Your prize, your goal, will burst like a bubble, and the fruit of desire will turn bitter in your mouth. And you can be sure of that. You probably have experienced that for yourself. Folks, listen. We may scoff at this, but it is true. It will always be this way. Why? Hey, are you surprised? This is God's world. And we live in God's world. And God has determined to make bitter anything that is desired above himself. You know, this tower that God came down to see 
was pitiful in his estimation. All of the achievements of man apart from God are pitiful in his estimation, you know? Now, this is not the way that I perceive things at, at sometimes, I got to tell you. And I've made mention of this before. How many of you have been down to the new Freedom Tower that replaced it, right? The World Trade Center. Many of you have. I have. And I took the tour, went into the museum, spent some time there. We were working on the piles down there during 9-11. In fact, our church is one of the few churches here in Manhattan that actually had ground zero clearance through the Red Cross. And myself and some of the other Calvary guys served as chaplains there for months, you know, after the attack on uh, New York City during 9-11. So we were down there pretty regularly. We were bringing people in regularly because we also had credentials on our vehicles to bring people in. So we were, everyone you can imagine, from Franklin Graham to, you know, we brought so many people down to ground zero during that particular time. It was quite, a, quite an experience. But anyway, so recently I went down there to check out the, the New World Freedom Tower. And I was just amazed. I got to tell you, I mean, the pool that's located adjacent to it, you know, and I'm just looking at it. I'm saying, what an achievement of man. It's amazing. And I'm just standing there at the base of this building looking all the way up. I'm like totally blown away. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, the capacities of man, the abilities that they possess, you know, the architectural genius of it all. Think about it. You know, to be able to erect a building like that. But not only that particular building. There's another building. I don't know if you've seen it. You know that one? It looks like a kind of like a pyramid. And it has all of these different, you know, movements in it. And it's just, it's just crazy. And I have had in the past just stood before it looking up and just amazed at the creative genius of the architect that put that together. In fact, he's a well, I can't think of the fellow's name, but he's a well-known architect and he's built buildings all over the United States. In fact, all over the, all over the world. But then again, there's been other times where like, for example, I've been coming back from like California and I've been on an airplane and I've flown over that same area and I've looked at the Freedom Tower, and I've looked at all of these skyscrapers, you know, that just, you know, throughout New York City, and, and looking down on them, they're not, as I looked down on them, they're not as grand as I thought they were, you know, in comparison to standing right in front of them and then looking up. And I think that's the way that God perceives man's achievements apart from him, you know, and I don't know if that was a good illustration. I sort of went a long way to make it. But, you know, I wonder if that's the way that God perceives man's achievements that is apart from him. You know, think about the Tower of Babel. What does that word Babel represent? Well, if you think about it. You know, they were so prideful about the Tower of Babel, right? But think about that today. Babel, the word Babel has come to mean confusion, nonsense gibberish, right? Something that they were so proud of at that time. <laughs> Think about that, right? Listen, the only truly significant accomplishments are God's. And yes, sometimes God accomplishes great things through us and in us, but it's only those things that God does accomplish that will last forever. That will last forever. Now, I want to close out this message. I want to go back to these invitations that were given, first of all, by Nimrod, 
for the people to come and join him in this, you know, this great building thing that he wanted to do here. Notice these invitations to come, verses 3 and 4 of chapter 11. Let's go back there. To participate in this great endeavor. And these were spoken by man, notice, by Nimrod, the fraternity of mankind. And where did that lead them? When God came down and confused their abilities to be able to speak to one another. It led to frustration. It led to disappointment. Okay, now, in comparison, I would like for us to think about the invitations that are recorded for us in the Bible that have been given to men by God. And throughout the Bible, there are these other invitations. For example, in the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 1, in verse 18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Let me give you another invitation. In Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 11, In verse 28, come to me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then another invitation, and there's tons of them throughout the Bible. But in the book of Revelation in chapter 22 and verse 17, where he closes out the entire Bible, basically, he says, in the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the waters of life Freely. Okay, so what is the result of our hearing and responding of God's invitation? Remember, men's invitations only lead to frustration and disappointment. Whereas God's invitations lead to our sins being washed away, our burdens lifted, our spiritual thirsts quenched, the curse of sin overturned, the proper desires of the human heart provided for, Man, that's quite a deal, right? Listen, the Babylonians wanted a city, but God provides a city for his people whose foundations will last forever. Remember, Nimrod's people wanted a name, but for those who stand with God, let me close with this last verse, Revelation chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. He who overcomes, and by the way, the only way that we can overcome is through Jesus Christ. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God. They were looking for a name, right, that they were to make of themselves. In our case, God's going to write his name upon us. He's going to give us a name. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven, for my God, and I will write on him my new name. My new name. Praise the Lord. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long been listening to Pastor Mike Finizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, harvestnyc.org. We have so much available to you there, 
including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find, with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for Daily Doses of the Word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than In My Father's House with you.